Hi, Nick. Hi, Caleb. Hi. What's your favorite part of a Renaissance fair? Oh, there are so many things to choose from. I think it has to be like the proliferation of gems. Of gems as in like G-E-M-S? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gemstones, mm-hmm. uh, sapphires, emeralds, rubies. You, were, you weren't <laughs> suggesting that because people really, really wanted to like move on past Squire that they all like started hitting the like the <laughs> hard metal dumbbells in the gym. Wait, wait a second. Is there a workout zone? Is there a Renaissance <laughs> CrossFit? <laughs> I think the thing about CrossFit, right, is that actually well, all it's doing is replicating the normal everyday medieval experience. Yeah, the stuff the stuff you would do as you moved about your serfdom. If they had had more than just porridge, everybody would have been jacked during the Dark Ages. Is Donkey Kong a CrossFit? I, because he's like picking up barrels. He's throwing barrels. He's picking up a child. He's throwing the child. He's walking on alligators. That's a CrossFit. That's a normal CrossFit one because it keeps you moving like really fast. It keeps you engaged. Yeah. And you like the whole thing is to use your environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he jumps on tires. Donkey Kong is CrossFit. That's canon. That's canon. Donkey Kong believes in trans rights as of he course. should. And Donkey Kong is a CrossFit. <laughs> He is, like, extremely unsettlingly hot, and his teeth are huge, and you only get huge teeth like that from CrossFit, basically. That's exactly right, because you smile at how fit you are, and your teeth get bigger and bigger to accommodate your giant smiling mouth, and that's human biology! It takes 20,000 fronts to make a wrinkle, and it takes 20,000 smiles to make another tooth. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Wow. Which brings this, raises the question of why Kirby has no teeth with a mouth that big. He ought to be full of chompers. I know, and a constant, cheerful smile. <laughs> um, this uh, is so- all really, really relevant to Renaissance fairs. <laughs> so my favorite part of the Renaissance fair is just like, like just pumping emeralds. Mm-hmm. I just want to pick up big gems and I want to, and I want to flex them yeah. until I, until my bicep looks like it's cut like a gemstone. Ooh, that's some Steven Universe nonsense right there. Thank you so much. That's where my gems live in my biceps. I think it's the the physical fitness, the camaraderie, mm-hmm. the anachronism, and uh, the delicious food are just my. That's my one favorite part of Renaissance fairs. What's your favorite part? Eating like a whole the- turkey leg. You like to eat the whole big leg. Mm, I don't prefer to hold a bone. That's food. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all the food at Renaissance Fair, so what are you talking about? I bring my own. I bring a, I sneak a Cliff Bar in my leather boot. <laughs> I love the excuse to eat a Cliff Bar. For me, there's a lot of stuff I like about Renaissance Fairs. Uh, one of the first ones is definitely that. Like, it was like the first time I bought horns for myself that you could wear. Oh, I know that. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big, important one. Oh, but it also was the first time I met a knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I uh, I got to work on that one for extra long. <laughs> yeah.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Your Two Show, episode three of our Kirby coverage. Thank you for welcoming me, and I welcome you as well. My name is Nick Splendor. And I'm Caleb Zane Hewitt, and I want to start this one with a bombshell. I discovered yesterday a revelation that I feel like the masses need to know, even if they don't follow us on twitter.com slash your two show. Got it. The title of this television program is Kirby right back at ya. The A is lowercase in the stylization. If you take that and you turn it into an acronym yeah the acronym is kirby but without an i it is k-r-b-y what (laughs) this is nick pretending like he didn't already know this because he saw it on twitter yesterday yeah i'm trying to recreate i'm trying to renaissance fair reenact Mm -hmm. the reality of my past which is when i read this on twitter (laughs) i get notifications when you tweet from the your two show account that's the only twitter notification i still get Uh uh-huh because i just need i need to know about that content and I saw this, I opened up my phone, I looked at it, and I went, what? <laughs> Just like that. Even if you include the A, mm-hmm. it still spells Kirby, which is how they say it in the song. Kirby, Kirby. What I am wondering, though, is what is the original title that you, that you think they edited down that removed the I? Like, what originally was it? Kirby, I'm right back at ya? Kirby is right back at ya. <laughs> Kirby insistently right back at ya. Kirby inhaling right back at you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kirby, I guess, right back at you. <laughs> and then that introduces like another, it's like, well, the G is lowercase, but it's like in parentheses, so you only count the first letter of the first thing. Kirby is great. Kirby, Kir is bay. Kir really is bay. And that's, that's something that we discover, especially in this episode. <laughs> Uh, you'll find out why later, and you'll have to figure out why for yourself, yeah. because that was... And we will not bring it up again. This is a puzzle for you <laughs> to resolve on your own time <laughs> as a secret bonus activity. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Your Two Show, we are a show about kids' media, especially cartoons from the 90s and 2000s. We spent a couple years talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, and now we are talking about a few other things. Though, of course, we will mention Sonic the Hedgehog for a prescribed four to five more times over the course of this episode. Do not feel any fear. <laughs> this is your content warning for Sonic. <laughs> he will appear. <laughs> and we love it. Yeah, it's the best part. Tell me about this show. Kirby, 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 that's a name you should know. Kirby, 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 he's the star of the show. He's more than you think, he's got maximum pain. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's the one. He comes right back at ya. This show, Kirby Right Back Atcha, episode three, is called Kirby's Dual Role, and dual is spelled D-U-E-L. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pun, and let me tell you about puns. You already know about puns. You've been listening to this show? Yeah, I, I've been familiar with them. <laughs> this episode begins with Meta Knight sending a letter to Kirby. It arrives at Kirby's home, which is actually currently Takori's home, and Kirby is living in the tree. Uh-huh. Takori explains that they have worked it out as an official deal where Kirby moved into Takori's tree and Takori moved into Kirby's house. Now, what are the odds that they have had a direct conversation about that beyond Takori screaming until Kirby leaves his house i get get the feeling this is more of like a terms of service kind of thing where takori is like by opening this door you have agreed to the terms of getting out of this house (laughs) i 
love your Takori impression. <laughs> That's so good. We have not seen Kirby actually say anything so far. Like, not really. He yeah. hasn't had a full sentence to say. And so I find it uh, actually 0% likely that they've had an entire <laughs> yeah. conversation. He kind of does some, like, mementoing, like, where he, like, reads his own. Like, is that what it? He's, someone says something and then you say it back and that's Memento. Yeah, that's Memento. The, the hit movie, the Oscar winner Memento, it features Kirby saying his own name four or five times. I like it when a Memento looks like a chest, but that's not the only thing a Memento can look like. Imagine Kirby waking up covered in tattoos. <laughs> But it just says Kirby. (laughs) It just says Kirby all over his body with different sizes and different intensities of pen. Tiff. (laughs) Meta Knight sends a letter through the mailman of Cappytown, who's like a Cappy. He has a voice that is reused over the course of the show in a couple different Cappies. Uh And the letter is challenging Kirby to a duel. And the letter says... As a fellow Star Warrior, I hereby challenge you to an official duel between us. Boom. We asked the question and we got the answer. So far, this show is 10 for 10 payoff. Like, Mm -hmm. everything I've ever wanted to know, I've learned. I now have a master's degree in Kirby. There are no (laughs) more questions. Like, hopefully there are more questions in this episode. I can't remember if there are any. But, like, maybe we already know everything we need to know. No, there is a really good bomb that drops later in this episode. And I cannot wait to talk about it. Mm. Okay, carry on. Uh, he challenges Kirby to a duel, and everyone is a little confused about this because it seems like Meta Knight has been on the side of Kirby, and it's also unclear exactly why this duel is happening in the first place. Yeah. People have been asking Kabu things. People are sharing rumors with each other about the fight that's upcoming. We see this a couple of different shots of different groups of people talking about rumors around Kirby in a way that kind of repeats the stuff that we had just learned a moment before. Yeah. And Tiff and Tup show up and they sort of participate in this rumor sharing by explaining that they heard DDD specifically tell Meta Knight that because he was a servant of the king, he needs to use his Star Warrior status to challenge Kirby to a duel. Yes. Also, in this conversation that they overheard, it's revealed that Meta Knight, and therefore everybody, didn't know for sure that DDD was ordering these monsters. Yeah. And that's wild. That I, It was taken as for granted by us because it seems like they were so blatant about it. But in hindsight, really, they were always in their tank like a f- mile away staring through binoculars to make it clear that they were not like actually a part of that's it. That's right. And they have the, they have the like ordering equipment hidden. In a kind of like bat cave arrangement. Yes. Where everything like unfolds and appears and comes out of the floor. So that, uh, which I just took to be like, cool, this is like future tech. Actually, it's a secret. Yeah. And Meta Knight says, I heard a rumor. You have been ordering monsters from Nightmare Enterprises. And I also heard a rumor that the machine you use to order them is right here in this room under my feet right now. Yeah, I heard a rumor. Which it seems like maybe he was talking to Kabu about it. Yeah, or he was probably skulking around. Because in this scene, like, Tiff and Tuff are just, like, hanging around in the throne room, aren't they? Yeah, they are. DDD thinks he's keeping secrets. Mm -hmm. And as is often the case with big authoritarian dumbos, no, they aren't. (laughs) (laughs) A very small amount of scrutiny is enough to completely topple the whole uh, fake idea. Yeah. Yeah. And that you can ask him a question like, I heard a rumor that there was, that you were ordering monsters from enemy. And he's like, I definitely don't even know what that is. I've never (laughs) even heard of a monster. I've never ordered anything in my life. And it's like, 
Okay, I hear you. I've never spent a cent. <laughs> Meta Knight has to challenge Kirby because he does, again, abide by the laws of this country for some reason. Yeah. But he, when he challenges Kirby, it becomes obvious very quickly that he's not really trying to beat Kirby. No, in fact, it seems like he's trying to teach Kirby something. Mm -hmm. He pulls out a sword of like pure electricity, which I didn't know his spiky sword was like made out of lightning. Yeah, I didn't know that either. (laughs) It looked great. So he starts coming after Kirby and just sort of like hitting him. And Kirby's doing that thing that he does at the beginning of every fight where he just kind of like gets hit and rolls around. Yeah. And the kids are yelling him for him to do stuff. They say to use the suck up power. He tries to suck up Meta Knight. Can't do it. And Meta Knight says, Kirby can't suck up anybody who is very dense or very large. And Tiff is like, you're neither of those things. And Meta Knight's like, yeah, I mean, I'm a different... I don't count. Yeah, I have other <laughs> ways of protecting myself. So, okay. Kirby sucks up like a million rocks while he's doing this, too. They're like, they're trying to show the air by like yeah. showing little pebbles filling around in it, but really Kirby's sucking up like so many rocks. It's a kind of like inverse Dragon Ball Z snack time, right? <laughs> it's like he's charging up, but instead of like when Goku charges up, the rocks just sort of like hover around him. Mm-hmm. They all gotta go inside Kirby, which further <laughs> reinforces the notion that there's an infinite void inside of him or mm-hmm. some other form of maybe they're getting teleported outside of his body. Maybe his butt is elsewhere. Well, this is actually interesting to me. Not the butt <laughs> question, because I'm gonna let that one hang. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. the, the fact that Kirby can eat a lot of rocks and not become a rock Kirby, that he has to eat a living rock to get a power right it's it's you're absorbing the power of a living entity Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like dominant characteristic well that's not true though because later he swallows the sword oh that's true Hmm. okay so maybe okay we so we don't understand the rules here but maybe a lots of small rocks do not equal one large rock that he can sort of latch his power mouth onto. Or maybe it has to be a device with energy because the person that throws a sword to him is a sword bad guy from Kirby. So it seems like that's a piece of his overall energy vibe. (sighs) Okay, so the sword is imbued with the characteristics of the wielder, Mm -hmm. whereas all these rocks are just minding their dang business and they're not trying to crush anybody. Yeah, they're just mining their their own business. (laughs) (laughs) Please carry on. (laughs) Leave them alone or else. (laughs) (laughs) They give Kirby a sword to defend himself against Meta Knight. And this is before he sucks it up, which does happen later. Thanks for the spoiler. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I I know everyone is watching the episode in real time, pausing to to listen to us. Like, they're like, okay, now they're talking about this next scene. So I'll watch up till that scene. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows what's going to happen later in the episode, but let's just maintain the illusion. Go ahead, please. You're joking, but that is my ideal way for people to experience the show. So, like, (laughs) I would love to know that someone is ruining this television show for themselves that way. (laughs) Kirby gets the sword and starts to learn a little bit about how to, like, deflect and fight with a sword. And then it hits a point where Meta Knight uh, starts beating him so badly that Kirby just goes to sleep. I love that. Okay, so he sort of starts to learn to use the sword, but it's kind of like at the beginning of Wander Song, mm-hmm. the, the game that came out last year that's very cute and everyone should play. It's so cute. <laughs> Which I also did voices for. As <laughs> <laughs> a credit voice actor. At the beginning of that game, the bard picks up a sword mm-hmm. and like can't even really use it. Like he can barely lift it. You know, just like hold the sword up and get hit. And that's kind of what Kirby's doing. Mm-hmm. He's not really fighting back. He's just holding a sword. But then 
this is so taxing to him. <laughs> he passes out. He just gets, he just like clefairies right down into the, the ground. And I wrote down a lot of notes of specific lines Meta Knight says in this episode because Meta Knight says a lot of completely wild stuff. Yeah. In this moment, Kirby sits down and falls asleep and Meta Knight says, Kirby is free of all anxiety. That is how he focuses his power. He's very strong now, and I will have to be extremely careful. I was mouth agape when this line dropped. Like, uh, first of all, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Second of all, how is Meta Knight so clear? Like, he's an incredible fighter yeah. with uh, either impossible intuition or, as we are learning, an incredible catalog of knowledge. Yes, he's so, so smart, and he's also really melodramatic. Other things he said during this fight are, the steel of my sword is hard, but the steel of my will makes it harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did say that. (laughs) (laughs) And he also said, perfect, I will save enough power for defending myself while still moving on to more intense attacks. (laughs) It's pretty great. Like, this character, this version of Meta Knight, who is unlike any depiction that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, normally he doesn't really talk very much, yeah. at least in the, the games I've played. This is a great, comical, like, he is educating both Kirby and the viewer. Yeah, he's edge-acating. <laughs> wow, yeah, he totally <laughs> And that's my third one. Sorry, everybody. They're over for the day. That's great. I love it. But it, yeah, his lines are so good. And it started out in the first episode like, is he really going to explain like Kirby's powers in real time? Mm-hmm. And they are leaning into it super hard. Like the will, they're leaning into the jokes hard. But, sorry. The lines are hard, mm-hmm. but their will to project this power, like this character. Okay. <laughs> you can do it. I promise you okay. can do it. Okay. It's like they're... <laughs> The lines are hard. So the next thing that happens is... (laughs) (laughs) Please go on. Please do. (laughs) Go on, please. Leave me to die. Kirby's nap gets interrupted by a sequence where DDD, having watched Meta Knight fight Kirby with a sword and seen how bad Kirby is at doing it, has decided that he's gotten all the information he needs from this fight. Because apparently, he did not want Meta Knight to beat Kirby. He just wanted Meta Knight to reveal Kirby's weakness. I don't know if he didn't trust Meta Knight to like to actually stop Kirby. Like, if that's what was going on. Like, if he thought, yeah, there's no way you're going to be as strong as the monsters I order from enemy. Maybe. I, I don't know either. My, my read on the scene was that he asked Meta Knight to fight Kirby. And then when Meta Knight didn't defeat him, he was like, ah, but now I see a weakness. Yeah, but he explicitly says, I only wanted you to fight him so I could find his weakness. Really? Okay, yeah. I missed that. I've, I've forgotten that line. So maybe DDD is playing smarter than we think? Yeah, but it would, it would mean that he either knows that he can't trust Meta Knight to defeat Kirby yeah. or he was expecting Meta Knight to get, like, killed by Kirby. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. And I that feels a little bit like DD to me. Like, I would believe that. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that either way, they really are doing a good job of painting this, like, authoritarian Dumbo mm-hmm. with him, right? Where he doesn't trust anyone. Yeah. When someone, like, lies and cheats constantly, they treat other people like they also lie and cheat constantly. Yeah, because you can't even imagine 
a like outside of your brain that could be different from what's inside your brain. Right, right, right. Like why wouldn't you lie and cheat all the time? And mm-hmm. so whatever DDD's specific motivations, at least it's manifesting this like, oh, I didn't expect you to succeed because of course you won't succeed because no one is capable of doing anything except me even though I'm not capable of doing anything. In the course of this fight, uh, right before DDD summons this, the last thing that Meta Knight tries to teach Kirby is the sword beam attack. Yeah. The idea that you can charge up your sword and fling your light like Link from The Legend of Zelda through your sword. Mm -hmm. It becomes obvious that that was what he was trying to do this whole time. It's like not just teach Kirby how to use a sword, but specifically teach him the move sword beam. Yeah. DDD summons the big beetle Bugsy, mm-hmm. who is a beetle with one big sword and one big hammer that he never uses and eventually just becomes another sword <laughs> in between shots. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and the beetle goes to fight Kirby. They have this big uh, sequence where the beetle looks really strong and looks like it's trying to defeat Kirby. They tell Kirby to suck up the beetle's sword. Uh-huh. He doesn't. He ends up sucking up, I think, the sword of the knight. Yes. Maybe he does. Yeah, I think so. Because he, he can't get the beetle's sword out of its hand. I think that's right. And then he becomes Sword Kirby, which Meta Knight explains Sword Kirby is a very accomplished swordsman as long as Kirby has learned one sword move <laughs> on his own. So the whole time that this was happening, it was because Meta Knight had to teach him one special attack uh-huh. so that when he turned into Sword Kirby, he'd have access to the entire catalog of swordsman knowledge available to the Star Warriors. This is really developing the mythology of the Star Warriors in a way that I'm fascinated to see it play out. Yes. Like, yes, is it a collective Star Warrior catalog? Is this something that's built into Star Warriors as long as they've unlocked this basic knowledge? Mm-hmm. My question is, when Meta Knight learned to do... Uh, Uh, sword fighting did he also have to swallow a sword that was thrown at him and then it hit the back of his bubble body Mm -hmm. and like bounced down into his like feet throat or whatever (laughs) is happening inside of kirby because if so they maybe should have made the star warriors different (laughs) (laughs) watching kirby eat that sword was like very scary and strange i love it i think it's great that they have made Kirby very strange Mm -hmm. and that there's a lot of stuff in the show that's really weird. The way they keep showing Kirby eat stuff, it's not normal. Yeah. One of the funniest things about this too is that, first of all, this introduces like a skill system. Like Kirby literally learned a skill, but I guess we already had that because he talked about his move inhale as like being a special like video game skill. Oh yeah. And then he described fire Kirby as like a special mode. And Mm -hmm. so what we're learning actually is that Meta Knight is not just saying, Ah, I see that Kirby has gained a firepower. He's saying, no, now he's fire Kirby. Yeah. I know what Kirby is, and this is one of the things he can do. The way that Mennonite talks about him makes me wonder if there's more than one Kirby. You know, like, if there could be multiple of these, and, like, this one doesn't know how to do all this stuff or doesn't know how it all works because he just hasn't done it before in the way that the old ones Mennonite knew did. Okay, whoa. Have you ever beaten a boss in a Kirby game? Yeah, and then he does the dance and there's like three of him? Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep, let's just put that on the table. Mm-hmm. And also, this, I guess, I don't know if the star allies, but I feel like I've seen Kirbys of different colors. <laughs> I think we got to keep the, just the, the possibility yes. that there is a Sentai team of Kirbys mm-hmm. out there and that somehow they all inhale each other simultaneously and become a Megazerb. What if what if Meta Knight was a Kirby who became Sword Kirby and stayed that way, like Tobias from Animorphs turned into an eagle? 
Oh, dang. <laughs> what if you stay too long <laughs> in a certain form and then Kirby can't stand? <gasps> and so Meta Knight is a sword Kirby who once had all these powers and had inhale and all this, but you can't inhale once you've got a sword inside of you already. Oh, 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 because he's a Meta Knight. He's not... But at root, he's not a knight. Mm-hmm. His knightness is on top of his original form. Yeah, it's placed upon. It's placed upon. He's a meta knight. This is Kirby's dad. <laughs> but he's also he's also a meta knight in that he knows the rules of the universe better <gasps> than the viewer. And is this the smartest show on television? <laughs> This is basically what happens in that action sequence. You know, Kirby fights Bugsy. Bugsy turns his hammer into a second sword. And so Kirby just like makes his sword get even bigger by falling asleep. Dude, that's rules. <laughs> it was so good. He takes another nap. His sword gets bigger and then he's ready to really fight Bugsy. It's just like, like it stretches out a few times. And I was going to say that this was the most gruesome thing that's happened in the show so far, but that's not true because it's still second to the opening shot of this show where yeah. a bunch of sheep turn into bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that establishing <laughs> shot makes everything else seem friendly. <laughs> but Kirby he does a sword beam that chops Bubs- Bugsy directly in half. Yeah. And you see him like peel apart. Yeah, this is a, this is like Power Ranger style. Like mm-hmm. this is, yeah, the, the beam separates him. His eyes go different directions as his face peels in half. And he's like, oh no. And then the camera cuts back and it explodes. And then Kirby turns toward the camera, does a sword move and goes, yeah. <laughs> Finally, through the power of friendship. But I skipped something oh, okay. in order to finish talking about the action sequence. Please. So the episode is not quite over. <gasps> Did you wait? You're telling me for dramatic purposes, you've rearranged the recap to suit your own needs. I have. Now that's Meta Knight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am the Meta Knight here in this moment. And I am using my sword beam to chop the recap up and edit it back. I'm turning into sewing Kirby to stitch it back together. And I'm turning into Chef Kirby so I can serve it to the listeners. <laughs> Tiff and Tuff approach Kabu at one point and ask for his advice on what's going on with Meta Knight because they are trying to figure out like is he trying to help us is he a bad guy and Kabu doesn't give them a direct answer on that but he does tell them specifically about what's going on with Nightmare Enterprises and he says to them again revealing it for real for the first time apparently yeah that DDD has been ordering monsters from NME And that enemy is actually a company that does this with a lot of people. They create monsters and they sell them to people that have like big dreams in exchange for uh, money. But they are really manipulating those people into their own like big evil plan. Yeah, he says something like the monsters aren't what they seem. Mm -hmm. Like they're not strictly for the purpose they're ordered. It's like enemies larger machinations yes and they ask kabu wow kabu you're so smart where did you learn all of this and kabu says from meta knight yeah yeah it's like meta knight told me and it's like oh what what and the weird thing about the way that he answers that question the way kabu answers that question implies that it's not just about this one particular thing he's telling them but that maybe all of his knowledge period has come from meta knight telling him about the future i'm not ready to jump to that conclusion but i did wonder about that like Mm -hmm. i like to believe that kabu does have alternate sources of information yeah maybe he's got sort of like a like um 
like a BuzzFeed of the future mm-hmm. that he's just tuning into periodically. Which of these five hover cars will you, your future self have? Take this <laughs> quiz and find out. He takes the quiz, and the thing about Kabu is he's really good at quizzes. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he's really certain about the future. Is he's like, <laughs> like, like I know how to handle a multiple choice. Okay, I'm gonna find it out. <laughs> BuzzFeed is much more than just quizzes. That's just my favorite fun part of BuzzFeed. And we all know that, and that's just a joke about BuzzFeed from five years ago. But we, we uh, so anyway. <laughs> but what if Meta Knight is Kabu's main source of information, and the the prophecy that he delivers in the first episode even could be well meta knight told me that a star warrior named kirby was going to come here yes and knowing that meta knight has to for some reason continue to work for ddd yeah it makes sense that he would find someone else to like unload this info on that people trusted while he was off being the like sneaky yes working for the king guy is meta knight the deep state please elaborate well, I just mean... Please continue. He's embedded in the systems of power as they exist now. Mm-hmm. But he's committed to some kind of larger plot mm-hmm. to protect the people, or maybe to hurt the people. I don't actually understand the deep state. <laughs> so, maybe not. Maybe it's not the deep state. We won't worry about the deep state. But he is absolutely at least a double agent. Yes. You know what? If a guy that works for you insists on wearing a mask every single day... <laughs> Like, if he's wearing the Kirby Universe's equivalent of the anonymous masks, if he's the V for Vendetta, like, computer nerd of Kirby.world, then... (laughs) Which I'm not saying he is, but if he is... But if he is. If he shows up and you're... Like, like if I hired you to work for me and you came to work wearing a cookie monster outfit Mm -hmm. first of all i would love it yeah you would love it i would like for you to keep that in mind for your future employment i would get a promotion right away you would get way promoted but i would also go like on the 30th day of your employment (laughs) i'd be like wow he is really committed to this costume that i love and trust and then on like the 300th day i'd be like I don't even know if that's still Caleb in there. Yeah. I love working with Cookie Monster. Yeah, could it be that I do just work with Cookie Monster? <laughs> Maybe I just work with Cookie Monster and my life dream finally came true. <laughs> anyway, I think I forgot my point, but... But it was, really, it was really well made, so thank It was you. emotional. It yeah. was definitely emotional, if that matters. I got your feeling across. It really made me feel <laughs> something with that. Maybe more than you made me think, and sometimes that's art. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I really did a good job. And so what at the end of the recap. Well, then, we'll find out about Kirby one way or another. <laughs> Now we get into the part where I want to talk about the title and also the themes because this is another episode we're hit on two in a row where they've tied it all together really, really well. This is a segment I like to call Hit Me With Your Best Thought. Come on and hit me with your best thought. I love that. And I think that's the official name of this segment. Very good. This is my my best thought about this episode. And it is that this whole episode is about duality. It's about the two Mm -hmm. different sides that all of these characters are kind of walking. Uh, We've got, Mm. it's called Kirby's dual role, by the way, which is very, very interesting because Kirby's the only one that I have a tough time finding his dual role in this episode. Like, what are his two, what what are his two roles in this world? And we can talk about that. Okay. But we've got Meta Knight who both works for King DDD, but is also trying to help Kirby. Mm -hmm. We've got Kabu, who is like secretly relaying information from Meta Knight on top of whatever else he's doing. We learn about Enemy, whose whole deal is that he's pretending to do one thing, but is actually doing another. And 
it's an episode that ends with Kirby cutting somebody directly in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bugsy's dual role, dual role is left and right, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually think the 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 visual metaphor of having Kirby learn how to use a sword and cut stuff in half does apply to the rest of it, where we're having to learn to take Meta Knight. In a, like a little less at face value and take enemy a little less at face value. Yes, and the way that he even, like, the sword is a classic metaphor for this. Mm-hmm. Like, he says at one point, like, the best offense is a good defense. Like, or the other way around, whichever one. Like, yeah. you have to play both sides. It's a double-edged weapon. He does, he does have one. And we are having to, like, cut through the, the you know, I just said what you said. <laughs> no, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. And you're right that the sword is already like a classic metaphor for this. So they have, they aren't like stretching very far. They're using an established, like an already established visual language, but they made every piece of this episode about that, including at the beginning, having all of these townsfolk, like talking about rumors and like discussing what could really be happening. Oh, right. Sure. Okay. But what do you think it means by Kirby's dual role other than just the pun, right? Like his, this is his role where he does dual with a sword. Are there two things that Kirby does? Are there two? Well, okay. So first of all, in this episode, the two things that he does are mm-hmm. inhale. Yes. Stab. Yes. And sleep. Yes. So those are the two things that he does. Um, <laughs> as far as his his dual role goes, my question is, there is a line in Kabu's explication of NME where they say mm-hmm. there is one monster they created who they are afraid will undo their whole enterprise. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And my thought was, did enemy make Kirby? The full thing that they say there is that enemy has created lots of different monsters, but his biggest fear is the one monster he made that will not obey him. Yeah. And that is what enemy is most scared of now. And the kids say, that must be Kirby. And Kabu says... That would seem to be the logical conclusion. Right, but it very well might not be. Which makes me think it might actually be Meta Knight. Sure, it could be Meta Knight, yeah. Which would explain why he knows all of this. Well, it would, except, like, what is the nature of the Star Warriors who made the Star Warriors? Is a Star Warrior a thing that enemy makes? And, like, Meta Knight is the one that turned out differently? We also don't know for sure that Star Warriors are a good thing. Precisely. We associate that with Kirby first off. Yes. And so we go, oh, cool, Star Warrior. That sounds like our favorite thing that has no problems with it, Star Wars, which we all love. Mm-hmm. And so that must be a good thing. But actually, if that's just like a category of monster that NME produces, that's a that's a, 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 a troubling idea. It's really interesting because the only reason we think a Star Warrior is positive is because Kabu said that one of them was going to help fight the great evil. Right. And so that's the only reason we thought overall they were good, but there's actually no evidence for that. And the second episode featured a lot of tough pretending to know what a Star Warrior was, hammering home very clearly that he actually has no idea what it is or what it should be doing. That's right. That's trying to create an idea for us of like, oh, we know what a Star Warrior is, but actually it's undermining it. Think about this. Mm -hmm. Extending the Superman analogy to this Kirby story. Yeah, because Kirby is, we talked about that in the first episode of this, Kirby is a Superman figure. Right. Comes from space, lands in a spacecraft, idiot child, uh, (laughs) has to be raised by a man in a mask Mm -hmm. to learn to do good with a sword. Like, exactly like Superman. Precisely. Very, very weak to green stuff, just generally. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Live, lives in a tree. Yep, yeah. can't touch a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> it's 
stupid. There's nothing inherently good about Superman as an entity or as a Kryptonian. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when other Kryptonians show up later in the Superman saga, they tend to be, uh, uh, you know, interested in their own ends. Yeah. They're selfish. They're just people with more powers. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes Superman different is the way he was raised. That he was raised with good values. Yeah, there's a really good new comic by Mariko Tamaki, actually about Supergirl. Okay. That features her finding a Kryptonian who was like an adult that starts trying to convince her what it means to be a Kryptonian uh. now that she is on Earth and she's like a teenager and her powers are manifesting. Uh-huh. And it's a really, really effective and cool arc and i definitely recommend finding that it's called supergirl being human and it's like one that you can read it's a standalone okay awesome very good what if kirby had been raised by someone else what if kirby wasn't found by tiff and tough Mm -hmm. what if he was picked up by ddd and trained instead to to hurt people rather than to just like serve food and hold a sword ineffectually (laughs) like meta knight is now participating very directly in the training of kirby yes and he's trying to shape kirby to be able to survive to fight back mm-hmm. and presumably to like inform his values and to try to protect Tiff and Tuff as they in turn protect Kirby. And it is interesting to me that Meta Knight feels like he needs to at all. It implies that Kirby is potentially like much stronger than Meta Knight is, even though Meta Knight has said now that he's a star warrior as well. He says he's a fellow star warrior. Whoa. One second though. What if Meta Knight's not a star warrior? Just a note. Like what if he lied? Yeah. Okay. He could be playing DDD in a different way. We don't know that for sure, but I would just like to note that wearing a mask, we literally don't know what Meta Knight is. Yeah, that's totally true. And he seems to have a very similar like body type to Kirby, and it may very well be that he is, but that's something we cannot accept unquestioningly, especially given that this show has already flipped its descriptions like several times yeah and that meta knight was writing an actively false letter like yeah like a one that was already kind of a show we know that he's being at least duplicitous if not being triplicitous Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's playing a lot of sides that's another thing that i liked about this episode is that it really shows that while it is inhabiting the monster of the week format Mm -hmm. it's not behaving like a lot of the other shows we've watched the Sonic Underground, Sonic X even to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of other shows you can think of where there's very little movement from episode to episode yeah. in terms of the larger arc. So far, this show has made like serious narrative progress every episode and has shown us something and then gone, oh, actually, you don't know the answer to that. You cannot count on this being true necessarily. Yes, but I also think that is not uncommon for shows of this time and even some of the other shows some of the shows that we watch like i think sonic x did follow this pattern where the first few episodes did a lot of establishing of what the overall conflict was going to be and then it sure. started veering off into some more side stories with the sonic show the thing that kept them going was like okay we're gonna have to keep finding these emeralds so like that felt like movement to be fair to everyone we've only ever watched you and i ever have only ever watched like 10 episodes of any given show right <laughs> i've never watched an entire show of anything uh, so i know how they start and I infer how they end. But it does, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that because this show is moving toward explaining enemy to us so quickly. Yeah. That we are going to start seeing clashes more directly with enemy faster than we expect to. I think you're right. Okay, sure. Like it's possible he's not the only bad guy over the course of this whole season. True. And we don't know how, yeah, so we don't know how it's going to settle out. I don't mean to like pit these shows against each other. Mm-hmm. But one thing I like about this show so far is the way it's gone, ah, you thought you got it, you don't quite get it yet, 
Like, we're going to keep playing with the nature of the setup beyond simply, ah, now we know Kirby's a Star Warrior, and that's a good thing. It's like, yeah. maybe it's not. Yes, and I, the past couple episodes, too, the second and third episode both, have felt so cohesive and so well put together, and they've told, like, a standalone story that's yeah. interesting in context, and it has added layers of mystery to Kirby in a way that feels really nice and natural. Yeah. Plus, it's, like, still managed to have fun with the fact that Kirby's really cute, and yep. <laughs> it has colored all of the games for me in a way that I didn't expect to happen so quickly. The fact that Kirby's freedom from anxiety is explicitly his power yeah. is so interesting. Uh, that, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Because you and I both went like, whoa, when they said that. Mm -hmm. Just expressing that concept out loud for a couple of people who like can be pretty anxious at times yeah. <laughs> and can get really kind of self-conscious and like caught up in the moment and unable to relax. Mm -hmm. To have that expressed that this like, like, oh, his falling asleep is not a weakness because even if you hit him while he's asleep, he's just going to like bounce around. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what could actually endanger Kirby in a serious way, mm -hmm. but let's assume there are things that could really hurt him or that he is hurt by being struck, but he just survives. The fact that he goes, you know what? I've had enough for right now. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. Uh -huh. And when I wake up, I bet I'll have a different idea. Yeah. It's like super powerful. It is. And honestly, we watched this a, a few days ago, longer, the longer distance than normal. And in the time since then, I've thought about that moment multiple times. Even when I was like feeling bad, I've been like, yeah. no, my strength is in my ability to reduce this anxiety. Yeah. My power is here. Kirby gets powerful when he chills out. And so I just need to like do some Kirby. Yeah. Smile through it. I've thought about Kirby as kind of this like we've talked about Sonic as being a mascot and we've talked about Mario as being a mascot. I've thought about Kirby's energy as being that like about like, we just need something that stays cute and stays happy. And then the rest, that's just what he does in the face of whatever we're doing. Yeah. But really having that be made an explicit part of his character and an intentional one that like he dances after every boss because he's just like, that was fun. <laughs> and he like is smiling and laughing all the time while he's slamming stars into stuff because he just like is able to even do that stuff because his approach is to like enjoy it and smile through it and not worry too much about it. Yeah. And, and like you said last week to like roll with things as long as you need to, and then let it go. Mm -hmm. Like let go of the strategy, let go of the situation, stop worrying about it once it's over. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty powerful like position to take. And there are like a couple of weaknesses to it that are interestingly enough, I think shown in a video game context where like because of this strategy anytime anything happens in the world that's just like what kirby's doing now and he's just, just gonna walk yes. to the end of the world map and beat the bosses on the <laughs> way until it's over and like yeah. it's, this is another example right of the creators of the show having to take the vibe of a game and figure out how it maps onto the show because you've got yeah. this character who is smiling and laughing and fighting monsters and just doing it. And you have to find a way to make that a person. And they do that by saying, that's why. Yeah. That's how. It's the metaphor of Kirby inhaling in order to fly around, mm -hmm. which has he done a lot of flying? Pretty much no flying. He floated down once in the first episode when he fell down a cliff. Right. Okay. So mm -hmm. we haven't seen a lot of that, but this like holding your breath in order to like move forward mm -hmm. and then like letting out that big breath to go like, ha, ah, I'm done. <laughs> Inhaling a monster, holding them in your mouth long enough to use their power and then just like letting them go again. It's like, be free, be out of me. This has got me thinking about 
this process, right? To be given a project like this, mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you're going to write the show about this video game called Kirby. Yeah. To reframe and something I want to do a little bit just in my own time and for my own exercise would be to like look at an older video game and go, what are we seeing this character do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's break it all the way down and challenge our assumptions and, and do the like... Like, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I looked at some, like, formal analyses of Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Where you... I mean, this was... We did confirm that this was the year of no Metal Gear Solid, but I'll let you have this pass. Let's pretend I said a different game. (laughs) But but these people, uh, there's some really good ones uh, that I linked to on my Twitter last week, where Mm -hmm. somebody looks and just says, here's literally what you Mm -hmm. do as the player with the controller. Here's literally what happens with the actor that you move around. Just descriptions, like this is what it is. And so you go through scene by scene, breaking things down into their formal components Mm -hmm. can let you look at a pattern overall. And so I can just imagine doing this with Kirby and going, okay, what we see Kirby doing, inhaling, exhaling, eating, using a power, and then at the end of each level, defeating the enemy, and instead of whatever else... He does like a touchdown dance. <laughs> and then he gets shot through a cannon most games. Yeah, he gets he does a touchdown he he replicates himself, does a touchdown dance and then jumps into a cannon and gets blasted <laughs> into space for extra points, which is apparently fun for him. Like Yeah, it's apparently really good. Kirby doesn't care. Have we talked at all about the the sim, the, the one similarity that ties Sonic and Kirby together for sure is that they both turn into balls sometimes and get like blasted around. <laughs> like they both have had pinball games about them. Yeah. They are both people who turn into orbs. They're also both video game characters with a personality that maps on top of what you would put on them in this, like in kind of an early stage for video game development where like, again, yeah. Mario did not have anything he had nothing and even now they try it seems they try very hard to keep him from having any real like personal opinion about what's going on but yeah sonic is often frustrated with you and and kirby is always having a good time definitely yes and the way that kirby dances we could make a comparison to sonic turning and like tapping his foot at you yeah exactly kirby instead you direct kirby to defeat the tree with the nose Mm -hmm. and the apple breath and then kirby turns to you becomes a party and then just like dances at you. Yeah, he tells you how to feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hooray, we did it. Doodly doodly doo-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Well. <laughs> when Kirby breaks the fourth wall, at least in the early games, it is only to celebrate with you. Yes. Yeah. And that's pretty great. It's really great. And I definitely appreciate how much of this thing that specifically using the word anxiety in this episode how much of kirby's abilities they have mapped back onto this and you especially bringing up the breathing just now how much of kirby is about the like deep breath in deep breath out yeah and the like holding on to things and then letting them go yeah it makes me wonder if any of this idea was actually built into kirby's original construction like if the ideas behind Kirby the video game at all tied back into this idea of a creature that is supposed to be free of anxiety or cute in a way that directly conflicts with anxiousness. I really wonder about that. I'd like to do some research into that. I watched a video about uh, Sakurai, mm-hmm. who is you know one of the creators of Kirby, 
and then went on to make Smash Brothers, mm-hmm. among other things. They didn't get into like the nature of Kirby very much. And I've heard different things about like how they decided what Kirby should look like and what he should be called. But I've never, I don't think I've ever heard or read anything about the like nature of the design or thought like that. Mm-hmm. So if any of our readers have references to like interviews about that stuff or articles that might be done, please send them to me, not to Caleb. <laughs> I want to be the one to present the information. <laughs> no, you can send them to Caleb too. Uh, that would be great because I don't know where to find that particular kind of stuff about Kirby's history or conception. Yeah. And thank you so much for reading our podcast. Thank you so much. Listen to your internet and read our podcast. <laughs> Whether it was mapped in there at the beginning or if it's something that has been either more retrofitted by the show mm-hmm. or like if the show looked at what Kirby does and brought this kind of like anxiety metaphor to it, mm-hmm. like kudos, three Oscars, great job. Yeah, they nailed it if that was the intent. Like they really did yeah. draw a lot of good lines. And I think everybody that's working on this show is they're doing a really good job as they release each episode week by week. Mm-hmm. And we're watching it mm-hmm. right now as they are currently making it right now in the year 2019. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, still haven't played every Kirby game, so I don't know. But a lot of the like, to my knowledge, the Kirby games don't really get super deep in their storytelling or direct narration on stuff like that. Same. I am curious. I do want to know if you know of specific games that get the deepest into Kirby's lore. Please let me know because I'm happy to pick some to play. Right now I'm like playing the beginning of Robobot, which is so cute and so fun, but it definitely is a game that is like, this is Kirby. All right, play it. Get in the robot. Right. And I'll say too that that I kind of think of Kirby as a game as possessing that same characteristic of being like pick up and put down. Mm -hmm. Like I feel that I could pick up literally any Kirby game that's been made in the last 30 years and I get it. Yeah. Like I can play it and I can play it for as long as I like and I can put it down. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be bothered either way. Like keeping the, the mechanics and the story and the narration lightweight. Yeah. Contributes maybe to uh, the player relationship uh, manifesting that too where it's like hey Kirby's here for you whenever you want to have a good time and we got mini games and we got different modes and just do what you want bye and that's so interesting when we talked about when we started this project we talked about wanting to see like what's the difference between their presence like why is it that everybody ubiquitously just thinks Kirby's cute and loves him but we don't hear much about his games yeah versus Sonic which everyone has these like very loud opinions about, but we, and we also know about like every game as it's released and you hear like a whole news cycle around every single one about like, is this going to be the good one? What's going to happen now? And yeah, how Kirby has continued to exist and continue to release games and continue to be a like strong property that's making money, but none of the games have garnered positive or negative attention in an extreme way, at least in my experience. Yeah. Because they don't, have this controversial position but they also don't ask that much of you yeah even the original sonic right there's so many people we've talked to who are like "Mm, i beat the first like two levels of sonic the hedgehog one (laughs) like when i was a kid i never got that far because it was really hard to do yeah and one thing i do know about the creation of uh, the first kirby game is they put a big emphasis on like let's make this approachable to everyone yes and i like love that that was what i was thinking about robot i'm playing before bed and it's like i can play a level or two and it's never gonna like stress me out or make me frustrated i maybe if i like i'm looking for something and i can't find it i could get frustrated sure but in terms of just like playing through the levels the first level of that game puts like five characters with powers in a row 
in front of you where you can just like pick which one you want. Yeah. And if you accidentally kill one of them, you just have to walk past them on the screen and walk back and they're back. And so you have these like this perfect choice of however you want to be playing Kirby. That's great. It's a power buffet right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then you get a robot. And when you're in the robot, the robot can also scan monsters and it gets a different kind of power for each kind of monster that Kirby can suck up to. And so it's like very, very cool and weird. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Kirby games are friendly, approachable, welcoming, and they don't ask very much. Mm -hmm. They don't, they do not seek, like so much of game design, especially popular game design for a long time, was about the creation of anxiety, Mm -hmm. the creation of stress. The only way to release yourself from it was to either beat the game or to just give up. Yeah. In a way where you had to throw your hands up and go, man, forget this. Mm -hmm. That was my experience with any Mario game as a kid. Yeah. Whereas Kirby's like, you know what? Even if you fall in the hole and die, which we're going to make it really hard to do that. (laughs) Even if you die. You're just going to start back over and it's fine. Like mm-hmm. the motion is fun and you and you've learned enough to read it and that's a really tough thing to do to have it feel engaging and be chill. Yeah. At the same time. So that's a like a massive accomplishment and we don't know whether the anxiety related breathing mechanic as like finally elucidated by Celeste in the year 2018 mm-hmm. was in the minds of the creators of Kirby, but we do know that that like chill experience absolutely was so yes if they were aiming to create a chill experience and just like happened to make it about breathing that's just art that's so interesting too talking about that celeste moment because the moment in celeste with the feather yeah is very mechanically similar to kirby's up and down motion when he's fly you're right you have to flap the wings of the cur- of the kirby feather uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So that's very interesting, and I'm excited to continue following this thread, thinking of Kirby as specifically an anti-anxiety creature. Yeah, me too. To be honest, that's the function he performs in my personal life. Like, I have plushes of Kirby, and I've got, like, you know, cute pictures of Kirby and small toys, because when I look at them, I'm like, oh, this just makes me feel nice. It makes me feel kind of relaxed that something this cute and sweet is just in my world. Yeah, you know that I've got this picture of Kirby as my phone background. Like, ever since we went to AGDQ last year, I've had this picture of Kirby's zoomed-in cosmic eye face uh-huh. just smiling at me, looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me happy to see him. It's great. I have Beam Kirby always visible to me while we record <laughs> over here in my corner. Yeah, not to do any specific comparison between Kirby and Sonic or any of these other things, but just to note, like, okay, here are differences in the textures of these things. Mm-hmm. And they all have their place. They're all great. But it's really nice... It's super interesting to trace this line of like, let's chill with Kirby. And then for this cartoon to go, he literally falls asleep when he needs a break. Yeah. (laughs) He just peacefully rests and then comes back to it and goes, oh, yeah, I could probably use a sword now if I need to. But it makes not just that, though. It's not just a break because Meta Knight says, now I have to be careful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It actually it's not just a break. It's like a power up maneuver. Yeah. He, it's, he goes into a sleep chrysalis Ugh. and emerges a dangerous butterfly who with the same body and no wings. Also, uh, as my last note today, this episode's probably going to be going out uh, as Kingdom Hearts is released. Oh, so Lord. I just want to say, like, congratulations to everybody who's picked up Kingdom Hearts today. And I will 
talk about nothing but that on the next episode. Perfect. But I need to get really excited for that. Uh, yes. Uh, about what's actually happening. We don't need to have a whole Kingdom Hearts conversation right now. And God knows there's a million little recap videos out there. And yeah. And so that's why we're not necessarily doing one. But I just want you to know that I'm there with you. I'm feeling the Kingdom Hearts and I'm ready for it. We're all ready for it. Uh, did you watch Tim Rogers' Kotaku video? about Kingdom Hearts? Yes, the, uh, I actually was going to maybe recommend it, but we're, except that this is going to come out late. That's okay. Let's still, I would still like to recommend it. Yeah, you can go ahead and talk about it if you want. So there's a great video on the topic of Kingdom Hearts and like media interpretation and how to deal with certain things. Tim Rogers, who works for Kotaku, has made a video about how to think about Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. And it addresses people who are fans of the, the series and says, you don't need to read a review. You love the thing. It's not going to be bad. You're going to love it. And then to people who like don't know anything about Kingdom Hearts, he says, first of all, maybe you should play Kingdom Hearts 3 first. <laughs> and finally, if you have zero interest in Kingdom Hearts, if all the love for the series has not penetrated the immaculate husk of your dead soul, <laughs> that's not what he says, but that's what I said, then don't make fun of it. Mm-hmm. Like, do not make fun of it. And the way he makes this point was really wonderful. I was very impressed with this because... I have thought a lot about this and obviously like the, you and I talk about this a lot because we talk about the way that we approach the show, mm-hmm. right? That like from the beginning, our our thing has been about even stuff that we don't know we love, we want to approach with the assumption that like because other people do, there's something here to love yep. for sure. Yep. And having him explain his history as a video game journalist yes. and Tim Rogers says like back when Kingdom Hearts 2 actually came out I dunked on it really hard and I did it completely disingenuously because I wanted the attention and the clicks and it still is one of the most viewed things on my old blog yeah. and I like and now I have to sort of like tell everyone that that was like a bad yeah. choice and I don't want to be that person anymore and the my favorite thing that he says and i'm like i I want people to watch the video but i also just want to say this in case they don't the one like the coolest thing he did a review of rock band yeah and he said in his review of rock band that like why would you even play it when you can go buy a guitar and start your own band yeah and then he did a review of kingdom hearts within like a year of that review Uh and he said nearly the exact same line where he said you could just go and write your own fan fiction rather than playing this yeah but he very importantly makes the point that the developers of this game are those people they did go buy the guitar and write their own fan fiction and create the game that they wanted to exist and it's great that they did that and so it's silly to dunk on the creators and it's also silly to dunk on the people that like it yes and he'd make such a good point about modern art this conversation where it's like oh i could have made that and it's like then the second person says yeah but you didn't Mm -hmm. and for him to say these are the people who bought the guitars and started the band yeah and they've been doing this hard work for almost two decades, like enjoy the fruits of that mm-hmm. and don't diminish it just because theoretically you could have made everything in Kingdom Hearts if you had had these particular, if you were those people, yeah. if you had had this particular <laughs> conversation for 20 years. <laughs> I love that. I thought that was such a good video. So it's on Kotaku.com mm-hmm. or on their YouTube channel. A really good video. Yeah, definitely recommend it. And let us know if you want to talk about Kingdom Hearts because I'll talk about it with you any day. Yeah, I will. And I actually, I'm thinking of taking his advice and playing the the third one. Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking yes, about yes, it yes, because yes, I know yes, a lot about yes. the other ones, and uh, I kind of his uh, point that like, hey, uh, being lost in the lore is part of the experience of this. Yes, and it's gonna be a good game regardless, and you're gonna be it's gonna carry you along. And like, it's exactly the kind of stuff that I 
know you would have a ton of fun in because it's just so wacky. Yeah. Like, it's just such a wacky world. I played the beginning of the first one a long time ago, and I liked it. I just didn't Mm -hmm. carry it through. I didn't get all the way into it. So I'm thinking about it. My one final note is Mm -hmm. either someone else needs to do this, or maybe now I'll do it, which is to take the Celeste Pico 8 prototype and replace Mm -hmm. Madeline with Kirby. (laughs) And watching Kirby, like, parkour his way through the mountain. Well, Kirby, Kirby... Corbin. My friend Carby, the bread man, can just <laughs> can just float through these levels. And to see how, what it's like to traverse this exact same terrain if you can float oh, all the way through it. Yeah. To like manifest that feather metaphor more directly. I think I might do that. Actually, maybe don't. Well, we'll maybe we'll leave this in here, but I think I could actually. I'm going to leave it in, but it would be cute if you did it. Yeah. I think I might be able to. I think I know enough now to do that. Thanks, everybody, for <laughs> listening to Your Two Show and our Kirby run. Follow us on Twitter. We're just Your Two Show yep. on Twitter. Check us out there. And you can also talk to each of us individually anytime or tweet us your thoughts about this episode, past episodes. If you go back and listen to our backlog and you hear about my birthday, you can still tweet me about my birthday. It is still Caleb's birthday, so happy birthday, Caleb. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to Dave Donkin and Goodnight Productions for the use of our theme song, Hydrocity Zone. And thanks to the creators. There are like seven or ten composers credited at the end of Kirby right back at you. Mm-hmm. And there's two main ones that I've put in the show notes uh, lately who are sort of credited with the theme song. Anyway, thanks to everybody who worked on the music for the show. It's so good. We sing the theme song to each other all the time now. Also, thank you, Andrew Rannells, who is an, like a famous performer from Broadway and television who did Nightmare's voice in the show. And I noticed in the credits this time is actually the vocal director of this show. He went on to be in Book of Mormon. He was in the Pokemon musical back then too. What? But, what? what? But he is the <laughs> voice director of this television show. And I just want to say thank you to him for <laughs> having done that and then gone on to be such a huge star. Wow, congratulations, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, Please enjoy our podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, well, that's it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm Nick Splendor. And I'm Caleb Zane Hewitt. And And you're. You you are. To. To. Show. show. You're to show. The dusty. You're too. You're too. You're too. You're too. You're too. You're too show. Right back at you. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really work. Don't put that in the show. I'm going to start the recording. Okay. It's over. Bye.